Tonight, I'm so happy and welcome to the San Jose Jazz High School All-Stars U19 combo. Let's give them a round of applause, please. The High School All-Stars program is designed to help students achieve mastery of improvisation techniques while advancing their knowledge of music theory, arranging, composition, performance, and jazz history. The group rehearses weekly and performs in professional venues all over the region. Thank you again, San Jose Jazz. All right, as they head off stage now, thank you guys, we're all good for tonight. Um, as they come off stage, um, I am thrilled to announce tonight's MCs, Lisa Chrysler and Sam Van Zandt. This dynamic duo led San Jose's premier morning show for 12 years. Raised in San Jose, Lisa was fortunate to begin and end a 40-year morning radio career in her hometown. The first 10 years at KLOK 1170 and 30 years at KBay FM. She now has a show on KCAT TV in Los Gatos called Community Storytelling. Always a lover of the community and nonprofits, Lisa remains an active as an MC and volunteer. But her favorite title is that of grandma to four fabulous children from six months to seven years old. Sam Van Zant was born and raised in San Jose and got his start in radio on KSJO, hosting a high school program while attending Abraham Lincoln High School. He, <laughs> there's some cheers in the house, I love it. He has worked at KPER Gilroy, K101, KFRC, and KYA San Francisco, and of course, KBay, in his 50 plus years of radio experience. Van Zant attended San Jose State, go Spartans, studying broadcasting. Teaming up with Lisa Chrysler for the Sam and Lisa Morning Show on KBay was the highlight of his 50 years in broadcasting. With decades of local radio experience, both Chrysler and Van Zant were inducted into the Bay Area Radio Hall of Fame. Now please join me in giving a very warm welcome to the MCs of tonight's events, reunited for the first time since 2016, Lisa Chrysler and Sam Van Zandt. Everyone. Well, say something. Wow, I, you say something. You always wanted to go first. You go first. And I work Sam and Lisa. I guess I'm supposed to go first. Out. Oh my goodness. And we had such a good time working together. And we haven't seen each other in a while. And I know everybody in San Jose sees you all the time. <sighs> Sometimes get around. But uh, people think I died. I don't know. <laughs> I promise you, I haven't. You know. But there was a rumor that I turned up in a box at Mar-a-Lago. Fake news. So we're supposed to say good evening. I'm Lisa Chrysler. And you are? What's your name again? <laughs> what? Who are you? I know. It was going to be the Lisa and Sam morning show. I it, don't know what which happened is, there. But it should have been. Yeah. You know, but you notice whose name was said first. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to tell you, it's so funny when you're up here because you can't really see people. I can see better now without my glasses. Where are the Licardos sitting? Right there, oh my gosh. You got a good son, yeah. you already know that. So, you know. Um, it's a real honor to be here. I know, I'm gonna cry, I brought Kleenex up here. You have no idea. Um, I love Sam Licardo, I love his wife Jessica. 
I even said it when I was on the radio. I mean, so it's no secret. It's no secret. Although when we did get let go, oh, that's right. When we left K-Bay, <laughs> you know, Sam and I had dinner one night, and he promised me a job. He says, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find you a job, um, neighborhood, liaison, something like that. Well, I never got the job, so I had to sell my house in San Jose and move to Los Gatos. There you are. And, but they let me come back. There you are. And yeah, this is like, I don't even think you know this story, and then I'll let you tell yours. But um, when Sam, he texted me during the day, he said, can I call you tonight? And I said, ooh, yes, of course you can. And um, he called and, you know, he um, said, you know, would you, would you please be one of the MCs for this State of the City address and this and that? And I said, oh, my God, I'm so honored. Of course I will. And then two nights later, I was out with Amy Pizarro. <laughs> and I was telling her about this. And she's, you know, they asked Sal. And so they asked Sal Pizarro. So Sam asked Sal Pizarro first. He's at Happy Hollow tonight. Yeah. But we're here, and we're much better. It's just the name. So it all worked out. It all worked out. It is. Thank you so much. So uh, we have a lot of business to take care of, obviously. Do we? Some serious business. But uh, <laughs> before, before we do that, my wife. Carol. Uh, Carol. Uh, <laughs> oh, we do have some listeners listener. out there. Oh. Uh, suggested that, you know, I don't think he should ask us for job tips because we haven't done that well. Well, whatever his future is, maybe he'll offer you another job. <laughs> but we don't know, and Carol and I were talking, my wife. Carol. Well, we're talking about it, and she said, well, whatever he's doing in the future, and we all know politics, right, said you should get him some things to help him in his future employment. So I did. And uh, my wife. Carol. Helped. And uh, the first thing I got him was hair gel. It looks good on Gavin Newsom, right? Yeah. yeah. Just a little hint there. If he runs for governor, he's all set. And that's the brand I use. <laughs> on sale, Self CVS. Self-tanner. Self-tanner, that's yeah. the brand I use. And in case he has to go to Florida, hairspray. Hair, that's the brand I use. We both shop at CVS. That's for our political mavens out there. <laughs> uh, we have we a great night for you. I'm going to put my glasses on for this so we don't mess up, which will happen anyway. But... Um, we are so proud to welcome all of you to the 2022 State of the City celebration. Sam was with us, Sam Licardo, the other Sam, was with us on our last day of work. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's only fitting we should be here on his last State of the City address, which again is why I brought the Kleenex. But anyway, I am so honored to be with you tonight. Um, you are distinguished guests, you're members of the city council, elected officials are here, neighbors, and I think we're all friends. So it's so nice to have you in the audience. Um, council members, would you rise as I call your name so we can all give you just a, maybe we'll hold the applause until everybody's standing. But we have uh, standing in for Vice Mayor Chappie Jones of District 1 is his chief of staff, David Gomez. Yay! See, you don't listen to instructions, that's okay. And then we've got Council Member Sergio Jimenez of District 2. Council Member Ryle Perales of District 3. Whoa! We've got Council Member David Cohen of District 4. We've got Council Member Magdalena Carrasco of District 5. 
we have council member Dev Davis of District 6. Council member Maya Esparza, she was my council member of District 7. We have council member Sylvia Aranis of District 8. We have council member Pam Foley of District 9. And we have council member Matt Mahan of District 10. And Matt, I just found out my son-in-law, Matt Brown, was in your class, but that doesn't mean you can ask me for a donation. But I just want to say we got something in common there. And now the reason why we're here tonight, let's please welcome the, the distinguished mayor of San Jose. We all love this guy, Sam Licardo. Yay. And I have this last minute bulletin. I'll wait though. Is he supposed to come out now or he's going to surprise us later? Just in. Okay, got it. The breaking news. Okay. Let's not forget District Attorney Jeff Rosen is here. <laughs> That's fabulous. Thank you, Jeff. Former mayor and a good pal, Ron Gonzalez, is here. Oh, my goodness. Supervisor Otto Lee. Woo! The trustee for the Evergreen Community College District, Omar Torres. Oh my goodness, so many familiar names. And Mexican Consul General Alejandra Bologna. Oh, I told you we're all friends in this California theater. <laughs> all great friends. So, okay, I guess it's uh, my turn to jump yeah. in Yeah. Uh, we're at the California theater, in case you didn't know that, and what a treat for me, because as a kid I used to sneak into this theater to see movies. That means he didn't pay. You owe the city money. <laughs> well, I, money. <laughs> I remember that. Some of the movies I had to sneak out. But it's such a beautiful theater. They renovated it about 15 years ago. I think there's a plaque up there. And I'm so glad to be here and kind of come home, you know? Oh, I, I feel know so good. Thing. And I, I should say, they want me to say, that California is host to major performances by local organizations, including Opera San Jose. Yay! All those beautiful sets. So a big warm thank you to Opera San Jose for sharing their stage with us tonight. Yes, they're in the middle of Figaro. Now I'm honored to introduce Gerardo Loera and Karina Herrera Loera, who are going to present tonight's land acknowledgement. All right. And while they're coming on stage, let me just tell you, as Chicanos, descendants of Pueblo, Pame and Huirarica nations, Gerardo and Karina are active members of the local urban indigenous community. They work to reclaim, preserve, and perpetuate the traditional healing practices of indigenous cultures on behalf of past, present, and future generations. Professionally, actually, Gerardo is the Director of Development and Communications for the Indian Health Center of Santa Clara Valley which gave out many COVID vaccinations. Karina is a trustee for the Alum Rock Union Elementary School District. She's a professor of Chicano Chicana Studies at San Jose State University. And she's a 16-year veteran juvenile probation officer for the County of Santa Clara, a real underachiever. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that beautiful introduction, lengthy introduction. Uh, good evening, relatives. Uh, a big thank you to Sam 
uh, Mayor Sam and your administration for inviting us to be here with you this evening. Um, we are going to share a ritual of inclusion um, in honor of all that we represent, each and one of us here, those that came before us, and those that have yet to come. In gratitude, in respect, and in solidarity with the Mokma Ohlone tribe of the San Francisco Bay Area, whose land, ancestral land, we gather on here this evening. Ask you relatives to join us from your seated position with a good thought as we call on and celebrate those spirits of gratitude, of compassion, of love, understanding, equity, and inclusion on behalf of our beautiful city and on behalf of all of those that we represent. At this time, Corina will face the east. We honor this direction, the direction from which the sun rises, bringing in each and every new day, a direction set aside for us also to honor the masculine essence in all things. Corina is going to turn to the west, a direction set aside for us to honor the closing of each day and the beginning of that night cycle, honoring that feminine essence of all things. Corina now turns to the north, a direction set aside for us to remember the elders in our community and the ancestors that we all carry within us in every space that we enter. Corina now faces the south, a direction for us that's set aside for us to remember the children in our community and for us to remember the child that each one of us carries within us. At this time, Corina offers up this sacrament of water above us, all those things above us, the environment that we inhabit, that we strive to work and live in balance with. At this time, Corina is going to offer this sacrament of water, facing our, our, our attention towards the earth, this, this that, that continues to give us unconditional love and provides for us each and every day as long as we continue to live in harmony with her. In the seventh direction, Corina is offering this water here out to each and one of you. This direction is set aside for us to remember ourselves in all of the work that we do and all of the things that we stand for, the impact that we make. We can't forget to also take care of ourselves and we're grateful to those that came before us who thought to leave that teaching with us. At this time, relatives, we thank you for your kind attention, and we want to offer a song in gratitude to each and one of you. As you all think about the city that we love, the city in which we live, the city that Mayor Sam has led for the last eight years, we think about the city that we want, the city that we are working towards creating, with one another as we sing this song of gratitude and share our ceremonial ways with each and one of you on behalf of the beautiful diversity that exists here in San Jose. No. 
Thank you, Gerardo and Karina. Let's invite to the stage now Pastor Ken Foreman to lead us in today's invocation. Ken Foreman is a senior pastor at the 12,000-member Cathedral of Faith in San Jose. He ministers to 10 sites in the San Francisco Bay Area and the Philippines, UK, and online. Pastor Foreman. Let us pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and the many ways you have blessed our great city. The stunning beauty that surrounds us, the technology that advances us, and the wonderful array of people who have come from every part of the planet to dwell here. We are so grateful to be a part of this community what a wonderful place you've entrusted us with. I thank you especially today for our mayor, Sam Licardo, and in the, the entire city council as they have served tirelessly and faithfully, especially through this extraordinary season. I pray that you would bless both them and their families. I pray that you would give them vision, wisdom, courage, and compassion as they continue to be good stewards of our city. Give them strength and creativity, strategy and perseverance as they take on the complex challenges that we face. Make our city a place where more and more every day we all act justly, love mercy and walk humbly. The scripture tells us to seek the peace and prosperity of the city. And that is what we pray for that the shalom would fill every one of our streets and that every human being, we are all image bearers of you, that we would all have the opportunity to thrive and to flourish. And may we all today be reminded that one day we will stand before you and give an account for what we did with the life that you've given to us. And I pray this in the one in the name of the one who has made a night and day difference in my life, Jesus. It was Jesus who taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Foreman. I'd like to bring out to the stage now two San Jose Aspires students, Leslie Gomez and Aaron Rivas. They're going to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. 
I don't know if you know about the San Jose Aspires, but it was launched just last year, 2021, and it enables students to overcome barriers to academic success by providing a free online tool for learning opportunities and resources, individual mentorship and advising, and a micro scholarships program that gives college aid. Its mission is quite simple, empower students to overcome financial barriers and other obstacles that impede their success in college and beyond. Through generous philanthropic support from local companies like Apple and Samsung and PayPal, San Jose Aspires has raised over $9.6 million and enrolled over 1,600 students working to reduce financial and informational barriers by earning micro scholarships for higher education. So come on out here, you two. That's just fabulous. Leslie Gomez is a, an SJ Aspire student and also a senior at San Jose High School. And being a, an alumnus of Abraham Lincoln, I forgive you. But anyway, thank you. She's doing well. Her involvement at school and outside consists uh, of being president of the class 2023. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Serving in clubs at school, working at uh, different stadiums. Avaya is my favorite. Hope yours too. <laughs> Babysitting her little sister, serving the community the best she can and so much more. Leslie loves dedicating time to school because it's the environment that helped her grow the most. That's wonderful. Erin Rebus is an SJ Aspire student and an, a junior at Overfelt High School. <laughs> That's some Overfelt people. Yeah. And Aaron is involved in sports and education opportunities outside of school. He loves volleyball. He's been playing for a little over seven years. Aaron also enjoyed track and field in the past. He's a former volunteer for Emma Proach Farm Park, which is a wonderful park. You should all visit if you haven't. Everybody, please rise now for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge of allegiance to the United, of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. You might as well stay standing because we've got the national anthem coming up, so why not? Thank you. <laughs> you two were wonderful. So we now have a young woman who I have just watched her grow up. Um, she has one of my favorite names, the name of my daughter, Victoria, Victoria Tweevee McDowell. I know most of you have probably heard her before, and if you haven't, wait. She's 18 years old. She can sing in seven languages. She can play the piano. She plays the violin. She's currently a second year at San Jose State University. Go Spartans. Go Spartans. She's got a black belt in Taekwondo. She's known as the voice of San Jose Junior. In 2015, she signed a one-year contract with Thuina Paris by Night Productions. And then in 2016, she performed for a PBS special in Naples, Italy. And then in she took 2017 off. And then in 2018, she won first place in the South Bay Teen Idol competition. In 2019, she was crowned as Miss Teen Vietnam USA. 
She has released three Vietnamese albums since 2014. And besides being beautiful, she has got the most beautiful inner self and the most beautiful voice. Take it, Victoria. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight O'er the ramparts we watched Were so gallantly streaming And the rocket's red glare The bombs bursting in that our flag was still there oh say does that star spangled banner yet or the Thank you, Victoria. Everybody, take a seat. <laughs> Preferably your own. Now, before we continue with the mayor's speech, we'd like to take a moment to invite the Council District 9 honorees to the stage. We're going to be presenting uh, the rest of the honorees later in the program, but Council District honorees are celebrated members of our community. We want to celebrate them all, and they serve as inspirational role models. In District 9, Council Member Pam Foley is honoring the Cambrian Park Little League's Challenger Division team. Isn't that your old neighborhood? Yes, absolutely. Wonderful. Grew up there. <laughs> the Challenger Division. Yay, look at them. The team is made up of athletes who participate regardless of their ability, and last month this incredible team was hand-selected from the entire world as one of two teams to participate in the Little League World Series. An exhibition, that is so cool. It'll be an exhibition game at Williamsport, Pennsylvania, Cambrian Park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, coach, this is your last one at the Christmas Cross. <laughs> 
He said it so well. I don't know how to follow it, but I will. This is a special athletic program, as you can see. It provides all athletes with an equal opportunity to join the Little League, and it proves that in this community, baseball is a sport for everyone. So thank you, Cambrian. Oh, not your line. I'm taking oh. your line. Wake up. Always. The story of our lives. Okay. It's not 5 a.m. anymore, you know. <laughs> and you were always late. I can remember that. Okay. Thank you, Cambrian Park Little League. And um, you guys are fabulous. And you know what? If Serena Williams can go to Disney World, you can certainly go to Disneyland. We'll get you your ticket. You go. You go. Aren't they marvelous? Aren't they marvelous? And since we're saying Cambrian Park, can I say go Lehigh Longhorns? Nobody, come on, be fair, Lehigh Longhorns, okay. Okay, are they all gonna walk off now? Do we get, you gonna, <laughs> Pam, come, come help me out. Like our old show we used to sing, we now don't know what to do. Great. Oh my goodness. Okay, there they, they go. Were, were we? Aren't they amazing? Let's give them another round of applause. <laughs> That's great. And now I'm thrilled to invite a very special lady on stage. Um, I love her too. And she's been a fabulous first lady to San Jose. She happens to be the mayor's much better half. I don't think any of us will dispute that. Jessica Garcia Cole. Come on out here, Jessica. Good evening, San Jose. How you doing? It feels like so long since I have seen you, since I have been with you. So let me say welcome back. Um, in these last three years since I last addressed you, we've had a global pandemic, we've had racial reckonings, we have had mass shootings. Any one of those would be difficult and daunting for a community to endure. And collectively, it could have crippled us. Um, but the human kindness, the acting as one, uh, one another's brother's keeper through this time, through these last three years, has been extraordinary. It has been heartening, and it is among the best memories, excuse me. I didn't expect to get emotional this early, but it's some of the best memories that I will take with me from these last eight years. Um, I wanna especially thank the essential workers who sacrificed their health to come out for us daily. And I wanna thank each of you who extended your helping hand, who created space or even just one neighbor to mourn, to pray, to listen, to laugh, to heal together in community. You make me proud to say we are San Jose. So tonight I have the definite pleasure and honor of introducing my husband to you. Sam and I met 17 years ago when he was a strapping 30-something-year-old running for city council. He's still, he's still pretty strapping in my book. We immediately shared two things in common. 
an interest in public policy, and more importantly, a deep desire to serve San Jose and its residents. Our reasons for this likely stemmed from different places. Speaking for myself, San Jose is the city that mostly welcomed the grandfather, my grandfather, nearly a century ago. Jess Garcia, of course, I'm named after, was a Spanish-speaking child who learned English, and this is where I knew I would get a little emotional tonight, so bear with me. And I will take a moment even to step back and say, because I have been getting emotional lately thinking about my family and speaking of them, is that for so many of us in this room, we don't take the time, one, to thank our parents for the sacrifices they've made, and reflect upon just how much progress can a family can make in one or two generations. So if I do get emotional, if I continue to get emotional, just know that it's due to immense pride about where I came from and where my family has come in these last two generations. So Jess Garcia was a Spanish-speaking child who learned English as a second language. He split his time between school and field work in his early childhood and he did his best to look out for his single mother. In time, he would grow up to start his own family in Eastside San Jose. And as a widower, with only an eighth grade education, he would go on to raise six children by himself. Somehow, with six kids and as a single father, he still found time to put on some of the best, most memorable, binational Mexican-American celebrations the city has ever known. That was until the city permits were permanently rescinded. Now, fortunately for him, that was not his only form of employment. But my family learned more than a half century ago that what happens at City Hall and in city politics it matters. It matters to the community. Suffice it to say, it was San Jose, its people and policies, at least in part, that influenced my family's success. As a result, I've always felt compelled to give something back to this extraordinary community. Sam, too, has generations that root him to San Jose. But I believe his call to service stemmed from the sheer potential he saw in this city and his drive to contribute to something greater than himself. A relentless advocate for the underdog, he saw the greatness this city could embody and had a vision and work, work ethic to advance it. I first heard Sam articulate his grand vision for San Jose when he was on the campaign trail. He likes to say that I peppered him with questions from the back of the room. And as an undecided voter, I had a reason to. I was impressed by his sobering clarity, his honesty, and his preference for sustainable solutions over sexy quick fixes. 17 years later, as his spouse, I'm most impressed with his unwavering integrity and independence the fact that his word is consistently reliable, 
and that he courageously stands up for what he believes is right, even when it may be unpopular to do so. I've lost track of how many times I've heard Sam say he has the greatest job in the world. But I know he means it deeply. Even among growing polarization and chaos that plagues politics today, I have no doubt that being of service to you in this increasingly grand city is among his greatest honors. So I now introduce you to the man I know first, foremost, and always as my husband, the man I adore, who just so happens to be your mayor, Mayor Sam. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Honey, I know they're just standing for you. Uh, so first, thank you all for coming. It's great to have you as part of our, our city celebration. Uh, I wanted to say uh, a big thank you, of course, to the woman who's been my confidant my honest critic, uh, my strongest support, the love of my life. Jessica, thank you for your unfailing love. I've had a lot of blessings uh, in my life and certainly in the last several years of serving the most amazing community, serving with an incredible team of people, both in my own team, throughout the city, and on our council. Uh, incredible blessings. I've enjoyed. Uh, among them uh, is being the, the son of Laura and Sal Licardo, who I understand who are here. Great to see you, Mom and Dad. Yeah. They are uh, amazing models for me of sacrifice and love. And my mom's about the funniest person you'll ever talk to. So don't hesitate to do that. Uh, after, we'll have a little gathering. Uh, Lisa and Sam, thank you for reuniting to join us and make this fun. It's great to have you back. Yes. We've got some K-Bay listeners out there. Uh, and I really want to thank uh, Corina and Gerardo and Victoria. Boy, what an amazing voice, huh? Uh, yes. Pastor Ken, uh, our friends from San Jose Jazz will be by shortly. Uh, and uh, I think we're also going to hear from Tabia, Veronica, and Sharon. And of course, thank you, Aaron and Leslie, uh, for being amazing rock stars students. Uh, we thank you all for sharing your gifts with us and for enriching our celebration. And finally, and most importantly, my hearty congratulations to our community champions and our award winners who we're going to be honoring shortly. Uh, we've already honored some, and they are fabulous, aren't they? I love that team. Uh, you know, the city charter requires that every year, I report to the community annually on the state of the city. And for many mayors, a final state of the city address offers an opportunity to bore the hell out of an audience by bragging endlessly about whatever we believe we've accomplished in our term. I, however, see no reason to depart from that time-honored tradition. 
But I will start by telling you one thing I've never accomplished in my eight years as mayor. I've never washed my car. There are other things I haven't accomplished, but I've never washed my car. Now, I know the car hasn't been washed since April 2nd of 2013 when I bought the Chevy Volt. And it has not been inside a car wash since that time. And my wife might attribute to that to be being cheap. Uh, and maybe my council colleagues would agree. Or maybe they just that I was lazy. But I actually have a more noble explanation for that. That is that I have had a penchant, I believe, for what I call the long view. The long view. In my 10-year-old Chevy Volt, I knew at some point would endure a drought or two. And I wanted that car to be the not-so-shining model of water conservation. Now, this is an admittedly imperfect example of taking the long view. But it's an antidote to a disease that currently grips our world. It's an ailment that I call temporal myopia. And in case you're wondering, what that disease is and why you haven't heard of it, it's because I just invented it. But temporal myopia is a short-term thinking that undermines our long-term quality of life. It has us consuming fossil fuels at unsustainable rates, underinvesting in public education, it makes corporate executives obsess over quarterly results to appease Wall Street and politicians tunnel-eyed until the next election. It conditions every one of us to react to the next text or tweet, the exclusion of more thoughtful conversation and communication. Yet throughout our history, San Jose has thrived by overcoming temporal myopia, by fixing our focus on the future, saving for the future, investing for the future. That's the ethos of generations of immigrants who have shaped San Jose's character, sacrificing in the present, even in the toughest of times, for a better future for our children. In my tenure serving this city, amid the many painful crises that we've experienced together, and you heard Jessica mention just a few, pandemic, mass shooting, civil unrest, droughts, fires, flood, I'm proud of the many ways that our city has heeded the lessons of our immigrant experience, lifting our view from our feet to the horizon. Together, we're building a San Jose poised to become America's next great city and better prepared for the future than any other city in America. I'd like to talk about several key dimensions of our future together. Our homes, our water, our safety, our money, our planet, and most importantly, our children. So we'll begin with our homes and our unhoused neighbors. After years of struggling and some wheel spinning, I believe we're finally seeing some hopeful signs. The latest census showed that we finally begun to reverse the generational expansion of our unsheltered homeless population. And we're getting traction through the development of more innovative, nimble housing solutions, as Ludia Burnett recently experienced. Ludia and her grandsons fled a very unsafe situation at home. And they bounced between couch surfing and congregate shelters for several months until they moved into Evans Lane. And there, Ludia had a private bedroom and bathroom with access to communal 
facilities for a computer lab, supportive services, kitchens, welcoming community. Evans Lane has one of three prefabricated housing communities that the city has constructed during the first months of the pandemic at a small fraction of the cost and time in building a typical apartment building. Already, these three projects have enabled 686 residents to come off the street. Nearly 80% of them are still housed today, like Ludia, who recently moved into a new apartment in West San Jose. We've got hundreds more quick build units now under development, and Jim Orpal and Omar Passens and James Stagey and many others are pushing toward our goal of getting 1,000 units under development this year. So too with our motel conversions, innovation that San Jose pioneered back in 2016 when Jackie morales Ferran's team led the rehabilitation of two dilapidated motels for housing at a third of the cost of new construction. The idea took hold statewide, and since then, the Home Key program has helped finance the acquisition of more than 200 more rooms here in San Jose in partnership and with the help of our housing authority. With more nimble housing solutions, we're accelerating our efforts to move unhoused community members off the streets. And thanks to the entire team, and I can't mention them all, but I want to also include Rosalind Huey, Matt Kano, Reagan Henniger, Rachel Venderveen, and all those who have been working hard on this incredibly important effort. They're doing great work, but speaking of work, many of our unhoused residents will also want to work to achieve self-sufficiency. And our San Jose Bridge Initiative has engaged Goodwill to employ nearly 100 unhoused neighbors to tackle our trash, blight, and graffiti while providing participants with wages, housing, financial literacy, and job skills. Another 326 unhoused residents now participate in our Cash for Trash initiative to help clean areas near encampments. For every bag of trash that they collect, we add money to a MasterCard debit card that they can use for necessities, not alcohol or tobacco, but necessities. Critically, Cash for Trash has helped the team led by Olympia Williams, Sandra Murillo, and Jamie Marcel to build the trust and rapport with unhoused residents needed to help overcome service resistance and get them into shelter. Of course, our affordability crisis affects nearly everyone in our community, whether housed or unhoused. And we have to construct more housing at all income levels. But fast rising construction costs of frozen financing on traditional housing construction throughout our Bay Area. So we're employing alternative means to expand housing supply and affordability. We're providing gap financing for affordable housing construction and more than ever before, bolstered by revenues from the recently approved Measure E, and thank you all to our voters. We awarded $150 million to builders of 1,288 rent-restricted apartments this March, more than a third of which will directly serve chronically unhoused residents. Since we began streamlining permitting and fees for backyard homes, or ADUs, like you see behind me, we have seen the annual permit application skyrocket from a couple dozen a few years ago to more than 600. This fall, we'll announce a partnership with a local lender who help modest income homeowners finance backyard homes with reduced rents for new tenants. And in the weeks ahead, I also hope to announce that our first religious congregation will begin development of affordable housing on their parking lot, what is known as Yigby housing, as in, yes, in God's backyard. 
Finally, we can clear red tape now to accelerate construction when the market rebounds. Legal barriers have prevented us from building a single home in North San Jose in a decade. We've negotiated a path forward with the cities of Santa Clara and Milpitas, however, with commitments of tens of millions of dollars in road improvements. Now the County of Santa Clara is the only entity that still remains and threatens to sue block to block housing. I look forward to resolving this issue at the negotiating table and not in court. Our residents have suffered enough from this housing crisis and they don't need to be paying for lawsuits too. I'm confident we can resolve this. Of course, even if we avoid the Scylla by building more housing, the Charybdis of water shortages looms even more menacingly in our future. Today, I'm proposing a strategy to future-proof San Jose's water supply. And I really want to thank hardworking team led by Kip Harkness, Carrie Romanow, and Jeff Provenzano for their work in putting this strategy together. What we know today is that we cannot continue believing we can rely on fast diminishing sources in the Sierras or the Delta for our water supply. And we have to abandon the strategy of fighting with farmers or other cities over that diminishing supply. What we need to do is drought proof our water supply right here at home, focusing on more conservation, more recycling, and purifying that recycled water. This is gonna require the city to become a better leader, engaging our community in conservation and stepping up to the imperative to innovate. It's also gonna require our city to be a better partner with stakeholders like San Jose Water Company and the uh, Water District. In March, the council approved my proposal to create a dedicated team to accelerate our resilience boosting work, starting with water supply. And that team has begun to focus our work on solutions. First, let's start with the lowest hanging fruit and the cheapest water that we can find. That is the water that we don't waste. The imperative for conservation has never been stronger. Now, although we recently, you probably read a couple days ago, we recently met Valley Water's 15% reduction targets. We can do better and we must. The Pacific Institute found that California cities can reduce water consumption by more than 40% by implementing readily available technologies, repairing leaks, replacing lawns, installing water smart appliances. The council stepped up recently approving an ordinance requiring water smart landscaping and all new development, for example. But we can conserve even more by empowering our current residents and businesses with what we call smart meters. Why smart meters? Well, most of us only know to look for water waste when we see our bill every two months. And smart meters enable us to track our water use in real time so that we can quickly identify the broken irrigation pipe in the yard, the leaky kitchen faucet, or the lingering teenager in the shower. San Jose Water Company recently approved state, actually recently received state approval. Uh, for its smart meters for its customers. Now we have to create a financing and regulatory path this year to facilitate smart meter deployment for every San Jose household, starting with our own UniWater customers. Next comes recycling. We can extend our 150 mile purple pipe system to provide more recycled water to industry and landscaping financed by new users, thereby reducing their potable water use. 
But even better, we can purify that recycled water for drinking. In 2014, Valley Water and the city jointly opened an advanced water recycling plant that uses microfiltration, reverse osmosis, and ultraviolet disinfection. What is all that? Well, it purifies an average of 8 million gallons a day. And next year, California Water Resources Control Board is going to adopt standards for distributing recycled water, water that we can drink from the kitchen tap. So with additional investment, our own advanced purification plant could produce 18 million gallons of drinking water every day. And yes, recycled water is safe to drink. I know I drank it myself, and I know it was safer than whatever I drank in college. <laughs> Finally, we should explore an important moonshot, and that is desalination. We're currently spending millions of dollars every year to pump and treat brackish water in North San Jose and dump it into the bay. With treatment, we could convert 20 million gallons of that same water into drinking water, and we could be drinking that every day. Of course, we know all of this is going to cost money. But this moment presents unprecedented opportunities for state and federal funding and willing partners. For our children, the price of water sustainability will come at a bargain compared to the cost of doing nothing. So speaking of cost, let's next discuss money, specifically the money that you pay in taxes to support city services. When several of us took office in 2015, the city was still licking its wounds from the Great Recession, with rapidly rising retirement costs and divisive battles over pension reform. And we lost nearly 1,000 employees through layoffs and departures and hiring freezes, slashing basic services to our residents. Our infrastructure was crumbling from chronic underfunding. Our city streets hadn't been repaved in decades. We had inoperable fire stations and languishing streetlight outages. We worked together with our city workforce, our residents, our local businesses, in a spirit of shared sacrifice. Our staff found innovative ways to do more with less. And let's face it, an awful lot of them worked a whole lot harder to cover multiple jobs, each person. Thank you to our hardworking city staff. Five times voter approved our efforts at the ballot box to adjust these budgetary challenges, including one of the very important one in 2016, which is our pe pension settlement, as well as to authorize revenue increases. Now, we have a lot more work to do uh, to restore services and improve them, but promising results have emerged so far. So, for example, we're restoring library hours. Next month, libraries will open for the first time on Sundays in 16 of our lowest income neighborhoods. This year, we're going to repave or seal more than 300 miles of streets, or nearly four times as many as we did in 2015. Mm. Our Department of Transportation team has retrofitted nearly every streetlight, more than 64,000 streetlights with energy-efficient, long-lasting LEDs. And we've launched free junk pickup for every household and expanded dumpster days in our neighborhoods. A new free junk pickup. Hey, if there was ever an applause line, it was free junk pickup, right? 
And we have finally begun, and there's a hardworking team of Olympia Williams and, and John Cicerelli and everybody in the parks team, we've finally begun to reverse the explosion of illegal dumping in our city. Last year, our expanded Beautify SJ team and many partners cleaned at 9.2 million pounds of trash from our neighborhoods, our streets, and our creeks. And we got a lot more to do. But a big reason why we're seeing this progress now is because we've gotten our financial house in order with the help of really hardworking teams led by city manager Jeff, Jennifer McGuire. Uh, yes, thank you, Jennifer. Uh, Lee Wilcox, uh, Jim Shannon in budget, uh, Julia Cooper in finance, Jennifer Shembury in human resources. We've done amazing things. We've eliminated city debt on our golf courses. We sold a money losing hotel. We refinanced debt to dramatically reduce our annual interest expenses on the taxpayer dime. And we've raised the city's bond rating, now the second highest bond rating among the nation's 10 largest cities. We're finally reducing the required annual payment for the city's retirement costs every year. And as a result, for the first time in two decades, the city's budget office projects modest surplus for the next half decade. And we didn't get there simply by cutting services or raising taxes. Those are usually the really awful things we have to talk about. But we're balancing the budget by growing jobs and revenues. Contrary to the narrative of the Silicon Valley exodus, since 2015, San Jose has seen the expansion of numerous employers in San Jose, including a lot of familiar names, including Adobe, Amazon, Apple, Aruba Networks, Broadcom, ByteDance, Micron, Microsoft, NetApp, Neo, Roku, Supermicro, Yahoo, Western Digital, and Zoom. And I didn't even mention Google yet. And they all have one thing in common. Not a single one of them got a dime of your money in tax cuts or city subsidies. But they did get a lot of hustle from our city team, led by Nancy Klein, Chris Burton, Chu Chang, Lisa Joyner, Emily Lapoma, Phil Maine, and a lot of other very hardworking people and an understaffed team. Thank you. We're also learning how to do more with less. Since the launch of our Smart City vision, with the leadership of people like Rob Lloyd and John Risto, Dolan Beckel, Matt Loesch, John Aiken, our city workforce is increasingly leveraging technology and data to better reduce traffic congestion, improve pedestrian safety, ensure garbage pickup, distribute food, and reduce customs delays at the airport. More than 40 different kinds of permits can now be obtained online without waiting in line at City Hall. Yes. I'm guessing a few of those folks waited in line at City Hall. So in 2016, we set the goal of making our City Hall America's most innovative. And four years later, the annual Digital City Survey ranked San Jose number one nationally two years in a row. Of course, we must do more. But our next mayor, our next council, and our community finally have the resources to do more and to dream bigger. Stabilizing our fiscal situation has also enabled us to invest more in your safety. 
Despite a national trend of rising violent crime, several studies rank San Jose among a handful, that is the top six or seven safest big cities in the United States. And we're gonna keep investing until we get to number one. Again. But since the murder of George Floyd, every city also struggles to recruit and hire qualified police officers. Despite this, under the leadership of our police chief, Tony Mata, San Jose PD has expanded by more than 200 sworn officers in just the last half decade, even as other cities would be funding their police departments. Meanwhile, officer pay increases have reduced San Jose PD's vacancy rate to 4.5%. Yes, our police department still remains too thin, but this city council has committed to add officer positions each year for the next half decade. And yes, we're all gonna keep pushing together. I'll get my two minutes in front of the mic when I'm done being mayor. I, you know, but it's not simply about having more police. It's about policing better. We're restoring the legacy of community policing that was pioneered here in San Jose by launching or relaunching regular shifts of walking patrols that build relationships and trust with our residents. We're partnering with the county to deploy behavioral health professionals with our officers to better respond to mental health episodes. And our officers understand well that by working here in San Jose, they will be held to the highest standard of accountability. Our chief now requires that body-worn cameras remain continuously on, activated, and they will be audited. And in weeks, we'll launch an online portal to facilitate public access to records of serious police misconduct. We've expanded the authority of the Office of the Independent Police Auditor with our voters, Measure G, and that office headed by Siobhan Nuri uh, has done an incredible job. Council, in a few weeks, will have an opportunity to discuss whether to move all investigations of misconduct out of the police department and into the Independent Police Auditor's Office, as I proposed back in 2020. We would be among the very first U.S. cities to do so. And amid a national epidemic of gun violence, we're also leading the nation with innovative approaches to reducing gun-related deaths. To reduce the flow of illegal guns to criminals, we've approved bans on the possession of ghost guns, and we're requiring gun stores to video record transactions to deter straw purchases from gun groups. To reduce gun deaths, we're also creating a funding stream for mental health and domestic violence prevention programs through the recent enactment of the nation's first ever gun ownership fees. And the council's approval of a liability insurance mandate will incentivize safer practices for gun owners, such as the use of gun safes and trigger locks and gun safety courses, which is essential in a nation in which 4.6 million children live in a home where a gun is kept unlocked and loaded. We have inspired other cities, even the California legislature, to propose similar legislation. We've also inspired a few groups to sue us. But with the successful advocacy of Tamara Prevo and City Attorney Nora Freeman, we're going to continue to fight to protect the lives of our kids in court. We're going to fight in City Hall, and we're going to continue to fight for our neighborhoods. Thank you. Of course, there's a lot more to safety than just talking about guns and cops. Uh, under Chief 
Robert Sapien's leadership. Our thinly staffed fire department has used better training, tactics, and technologies substantially to reduce emergency medical response times. And they're countering the enormous growth in call volume. We had more than 103 calls for service from the fire department last year. We've got new fire companies coming online, two new stations already up and operating, and three more stations under construction. In May, we completed construction of a new emergency operations center. I'm sorry, we will complete that, I should say. That's under construction now. Uh, and Ray Reardon and his team have dramatically improved our disaster preparedness, in part by engaging more than 900 volunteers for our local community emergency response teams. And I know we've got some CERT team members here. Thank you for your work. With our community, we're reorganizing our gang prevention partnership. The many faith-based and nonprofit organizations under leadership of Mario Maciel and Andrea Floreschel, so we can continue to achieve better outcomes for our youth at risk. And finally, to tackle the national spike in tragic traffic fatalities, a team led by Laura Wells, Lily Lim Sal, and Jesse Mintz Roth have implemented 30 safety improvements on streets last year, and we're gonna do even more this year. We're investing more than $100 million on projects that will improve the safety of our streets. <clears throat> and I wanna give a shout out to Assemblymember Ash Kara for his work in securing more than $10 million in state funding. Next, and we're almost done here, folks. Uh, next, we have to confront our climate crisis. I'm going to do that in just a couple minutes. <laughs> you know, the threat is not merely possible or probable. The threat is palpable. Uh, we're routinely now enduring bouts of drought and fires and extreme heat. It's today. These threats also present San Jose with an extraordinary opportunity, though, because in our world, we know cities produce 70% of the globe's carbon emissions. So inspiring climate action among other cities can literally change the world. We've started by greening our grid. Our 2018 launch at San Jose Clean Energy draws on zero emission sources such as solar, wind, and hydroelectric to generate 95% of the electricity that you're using every day. The governor's recently announced goals for decarbonizing California's grid by 2014 were just enacted by the legislature. Yet under Lori Mitchell's leadership and the rest of the clean energy team, San Jose will achieve that goal 20 years ahead of schedule. We're now taking action to nudge our economy away from fossil fuels toward electrification. We became America's largest city to require all electric utilities in newly constructed buildings. We're partnering with innovators like Block Power to retrofit apartments to help our lowest income residents save money through energy efficiency. We're expanding transit, and thank you to Carolyn Gannott and the VTA team for all your hard work. 2020 with the opening of the BART station in Berryessa in North San Jose. And yes, we're gonna keep it going. We're gonna keep it going and get it under construction to downtown by 2024. Uh, yes, thank you. Easy for me to say, they're kicking me out of office by then. And we're gonna keep moving forward, the $2 billion electrification for Caltrain that's now under construction. Uh, and thank you, Deb Davis, for your leadership there, and the construction of the Capital Light Rail Extension also underway. Thank you to 
Council Members Carrasco and Arenas for your advocacy. But with the continued strong support of our federal partners, we'll commence arts construction in downtown in 2024, and yes, all the way to Santa Clara. In weeks, we're also going to be selecting a contractor to design a futuristic transit connector to the airport worthy of Silicon Valley's urban center. And finally, Finally, we're giving our residents more non-transit options by dramatically expanding public electric car charging, segregated bike lanes, and electric bike sharing. And of course, we can only do this with a reliable grid. And we've all seen too many blown transformers that have left too many of us, tens of thousands of us, in the dark. So we're now pushing PG&E to produce a plan by October to upgrade its aging infrastructure, or we will take action. And But the long-term solution, taking the long view, is really around generating and storing our power locally with microgrids. This December, the council is going to have an opportunity to decide whether to launch San Jose's own public utility in partnership with Google. Google is going to pay to build out the microgrid infrastructure, and the city can explore how and whether we can expand this network to provide low-cost, reliable electric service to surrounding residents. After carefully weighing all the risks and benefits, I believe San Jose must move forward with microgrids to achieve a more resilient, dependable, and affordable energy future. And finally, with environmental advocates and other community partners, we've done much to halt sprawling development, fending off efforts from developers to fill our hillsides with luxury homes. Thank you for those of you who pushed for that. <laughs> Working with the Open Space Authority and POST to preserve the pastoral Coyote Valley, and in the months ahead, we're going to engage with all of our community members in envisioning a new future for Coyote, including trails and agriculture and habitat restoration. Please join us in that effort. And of course, our children. Finally, our children comprise our most valuable natural resource and the part of our future that is most worthy of our investment. 15-year-old Leticia shared with me that she didn't know anyone in her family or in her Worcester neighborhood who attended college. She did well in school, but she never believed she'd go to college until she participated in San Jose Spires, which provides students with a digital roadmap for their educational journey. The path to college is illuminated by scholar dollars, the awards that students receive for their accomplishments and completed tasks that get them on a college-going path. And these scholar dollars become real dollars when students graduate, funded by $10 million in private contributions that help offset those costs. You know, Luis Valdez told us many years ago that the future belongs to those who can imagine it. And because of San Jose Spires work, more than 1,700 first-generation students like Leticia, uh, as well as Aaron and Leslie, who you've just heard from, they're able to reimagine their futures. Stanford University is now studying how to make this a national model for catalyzing achievement among first-generation students. This is just one example. Sensei Aspire is just one example of the many collaborations between the city, schools, employers, and foundations to expand opportunity for poverty-impacted youth. I know that Mayor Ron Gonzalez is here, and we're grateful for his partnership in this effort. 
and the San Jose Public Library Foundation, Don Coppin. I'm grateful for her work. We're investing more in our kids now than any time before in San Jose's history. We launched our digital inclusion efforts, for example, in 2016 with partners like Eastside Union High School District. And with the expansions that we're going to be announcing this month, the district and the city will have connected more than nearly a quarter million residents to free community broadband throughout East San Jose. And while we're helping students do their homework, we're enabling their parents to be able to find jobs online, helping their grandparents connect to telehealth. We're also getting laptops in the hands of thousands of young students and boosting computer literacy with many community partners, especially the California Emerging Technologies Fund. And this year, we're focusing our educational investments on children in high-poverty neighborhoods by adding library hours, as I mentioned before, expanding after-school and summer learning, launching tutoring programs to counter learning loss, and introducing nearly 3,700 children to computer science and coding in our library's coding camps. We're using Federal Recovery Act dollars to build new child care facilities and helping current providers expand and add slots for 800 more children and subsidizing that care for hundreds of more parents who are struggling to return to the workforce. And for our older teens and young adults, we're building new pathways to careers. San Jose Works has landed more than 5,000 teens their first job, along with job readiness, financial literacy, and other kinds of support. And with last year's launch at the San Jose Resilience Corps, we've employed 460 young adults, many from struggling neighborhoods, supporting our community's resilience in everything from food distribution to vaccination outreach to wildfire mitigation. Thanks to the San Jose Conservation Corps and many nonprofit partners in this effort. Now, most of these initiatives really just started as a mere idea, generally just buried deep in a budget message of mine, which was debated and approved on by the council and approved and then co-created with city staff and schools and philanthropic partners and parents. And there's way too many to mention. But I do want to give kudos to our city staff, particularly Jill Bourne and her amazing library team. Yeah. They've had their hand in just about every one of these efforts, uh, as well as uh, lots of teams led by Angel Rios and John Cicerelli and Jeff Ruster and Laura Buzo. Uh, and should have mentioned Dr. Don Coppin over at the San Jose Public Library Foundation. They are all expanding opportunities and lifting the aspirations for tens of thousands of our young people through their great work. And the future of those young people will comprise our greatest collective legacy. Working together, we've done much, and I'm grateful the dedicated work of my council colleagues, city staff, and our many community partners. In our remaining months, those of us who will be deporting the council, myself and Vice Mayor Chappie Jones, and Council Members Magdalena Carrasco, and Council Member Raul Perales, we're going to keep sprinting through the tape along with our colleagues. And we're going to do everything we can to make sure that our next mayor and our next council is tremendously successful in serving this great city. I want to thank my council colleagues and their teams, their hardworking staffs, for their commitments to lead San Jose to a better future. But above all, I want to thank you, the members of our amazing 
community. Thank you for providing me with the honor of a lifetime and accompanying you for some small part of our journey. God bless you, and God bless our hometown, San Jose. Time for Mayor Sam Licardo. I thought you were saying, let's run once again. You can't do that. You know, I wanted to see his socks. <laughs> oh my goodness, did anybody notice his socks? He's wearing red, white, and blue star socks. Yeah, the speech is wonderful, but the but socks. The socks, oh, the oh socks, my. okay. <laughs> okay, moving right along. <laughs> I now have the pleasure of introducing Tabia African American Theater Ensemble <laughs> to the stage. Woo! Yeah. Tabia is based here in San Jose and it's in its 38th season of performances all over the San Francisco Bay Area. The name Tabia is Swahili for talented. Hey. You! You! You're Swahili! <laughs> Sam and Tabia. <laughs> Anyways. It is, and so <laughs> it represents the creative, uh, creativity, devotion, and diversity of the ensemble's pool of artists. They've got a lot of talented people, is what I'm trying to say. The ensemble has earned a reputation for presenting high-quality productions that celebrate and explore the African-American experience, ranging from touching dramas to clever comedies. Tabia is one of the performing arts groups of the San Jose Multicultural Arts Guild, or SJ Mag, a nonprofit organization established in 1990. Their work is thought-provoking, inspiring, and it strives to connect people of all ages and backgrounds through performance arts. So please give a warm welcome to Tabia. introduction. You know, each and every day, we have an opportunity to give each other love and sensitivity. Each one must reach one and believe that we have souls of serenity. We come from a rich land of diversity, and living life in solidarity must be in our destiny. Because a group of people living in peace and community is the key ingredient for unity. Let's continue to rise up and unify our community. We'll rise up, rise like the day. We'll rise up, we'll rise unafraid. We'll rise up and we'll do it a thousand times again. So we'll rise up high like the waves. We'll rise up in spite of the ache. We'll rise up and we'll do it a thousand times again. For you, 
for you, for you, for you. When the silence isn't quiet, and it feels like it's getting hard to breathe. And I know you feel like dying, but I promise we'll take the world to its feet and move mountains. Bring it to its feet and move mountains. We'll rise up. Rise like the day, we'll rise up, we'll rise unafraid, we'll rise up, and we'll do it a thousand times again. All we need, all we need is hope, for that we have each other. And for that we have each other. We will rise, we will rise, we'll rise as a city we rise. Thank you. One more hand for Tabia. And how about it, while we're here, a hand to all of our artists and speakers who performed tonight. Just wonderful. So much talent here tonight. So this is one of my favorite parts of the State of the City Address every time, because now we get to show you our volunteers. and people in the community who are just being honored for doing what they do. Each city council member had the privilege of selecting one honoree from their district for this unique distinction. And tonight's honorees, and boy are they special, they're being recognized for their outstanding and positive impacts on their neighbors and their remarkable contributions that have served to better lives, communities, and San Jose as a whole. And I'm telling you, these are some very special people you're about to meet. So honorees, as we call your name, come to the stage. You get a recognition, you get a thanks from your council member and Mayor Licardo. Um, council members, I invite you to follow the ushers and, and make your way backstage. Anybody rising I can't see? Are our council members already backstage? Okay, good. Boy, you're a step ahead of us like that. <laughs> so before we get to the uh, first honoree, turn your attention to the screen behind me for a very short video.
Well, now the secret is out. Now, no surprises now. But wait till you see him on stage. It's even better. Here we go. Uh, come to the stage, please call your name. And in District 1, Vice Mayor Chappie Jones is honoring West Valley Community Services Incorporated. And West Valley Community Services Incorporated is a community-based nonprofit agency founded in 1973 that serves low-income unhoused individuals. Also families in Cupertino, Saratoga, West San Jose, Los Gatos, Montesoreno, and the surrounding mountain regions. WVCS offers an array of community services, including emergency financial assistance, case management, community access to resources and education, special programs such as back-to-school supplies for children, and holiday programs to support families. So we recognize WVCS for their outstanding community support and leadership in San Jose, especially during the pandemic. And for all of you saying, that didn't look like Chappie Jones. You're right, that was his chief of staff, David Gomez. Oh my goodness, District Two, Council Member Sergio Jimenez is honoring Maria de Jesus Vallejo and Kenny Din Nguyen. They happen to be married and they were instrumental in creating the Roundtable Neighborhood Association where they served as vice president and treasurer for three years. They were so smart not to take the presidency job. They let somebody else do that. But these two spearheaded cleanup efforts. They advocated for youth resources. They fought for traffic improvements, and they dedicated countless hours to making their neighborhood safer. And through their courage and their sacrifice and their love, they are role models for their three daughters, Kenya, Cassandra, and Carrie, all Ks, who they're raising to be very strong leaders. Thank you so very much. In District 3, Councilmember Raul Perales is honoring the Greater Downtown San Jose Economic Recovery Task Force. The Greater Downtown San Jose Economic Recovery Task Force was a multi-sector group that came together during 2020 to work together to understand the issues facing each industry during the COVID situation, the shutdown, and they worked collaboratively with the District 3 office, county and state legislators, to advocate for solutions that work for all to ensure that our downtown and surrounding areas can survive and thrive as we recover together from the pandemic. Well, now we have District 4, and Councilmember David Cohen is honoring Linda Locke. So for over half a century, over half a century, Linda has passionately served her community, making an extraordinary contribution to the residents of Berryessa. She's been a teacher. She's been a principal. She was an inspiration to her students at Piedmont Middle School. Linda served as a neighborhood commissioner, 
and she is the current president of the Berryessa Citizens Advisory Council. And under her leadership, BCAC has worked to revitalize Penitencia Creek Park and restored the mural at the Berryessa Community Center. Thank you. She just never stops. Linda, you're fabulous. In District 5, Council Member Magdalena Carrasco is honoring the Latino Business Foundation. I think they like you. Throughout the pandemic, the Latino Business Foundation was instrumental in ensuring resource alignment, supporting uh, through technical support, and securing capital so that our small businesses community could pivot and remain afloat. It was a tough time. Throughout their services and advocacy, they've empowered countless small minority and women-owned businesses, equipping them with the tools and the confidence to persevere. And now their impact is compounding, being located in La Esquina of Quetzal, Quetzal Gardens. Sam helped me with that name, but I messed it up anyway. <laughs> Better you than me. I tried. You did a good job. <laughs> That's fabulous. Fabulous. All righty. Thank you so much. Well, I was hoping I would get this one because I used to live in Willow Glen. We now have District 6 and Councilmember Dev Davis and she's honoring the Kiwanis Club, which also makes me so very happy. The Kiwanis Club of Willow Glen. The Kiwanis Club hosts music in the Glen every single summer where residents enjoy live music at Bramhill Park. They host a food drive every Thanksgiving to ensure that all District 6 residents are fed and they have provided $121,202 in scholarships from 2008 to 2022 to enable students to achieve their educational goals. So thank you Kiwanis Club for bringing entertainment and opportunity to District 6 families. radio we're not really good with silence but we, we got through it so an old friend in district 7 council member Maya Esparza my former honoring council the the FMCA junior giants the COVID pandemic decimated many of our city's recreational activities our little leagues were not immune because of the hard work of volunteers the San Jose FMCI junior giants continue to provide affordable and fun youth activities, which was not easy the last three years. The last remaining Junior Giants Little League in San Jose has been preserved thanks to their work. And this work includes, during San Jose's recovery process, enabling hundreds of children to return to some sense of normalcy while enjoying the benefits of youth recreational sports. As a grandpa who watches grandkids get fat during the uh, pandemic, I'm grateful for their help. 
That is so cool. So cool. Now we've got District 8 and Council Member Sylvia Arenas, and she's honoring the Point Church. Very special church. The Point Church has served the San Jose community for over 100 years. Located in Evergreen, they engage a diverse body of congregants and local community giving and volunteerism. The Point Church is dedicated to addressing the needs of vulnerable populations, especially low-income families with children by donating school supplies, volunteering at food distributions, and engaging young people in community beautification projects. And they really are an exemplary community partner dedicated to leading all efforts with empathy, compassion, and kindness. And you can just see that looking at them. How about that? It is so cool to be here tonight, seeing all my people. I know. <laughs> I just want to cry. I know. We're getting all goosebumps. Okay. Oh, my God. But, you know, we did this sort of thing for 12 years together, it's, and it's so wonderful to be back in the community helping out. It is. I mean, and that was our thing. And get off my lawn. You know, and I remember when I left KBA, I thought, oh, my God, the community's going to forget about me. But we didn't. We so did. it's so good to be here tonight. It is, folks. You have no idea what's going through my heart. Well, earlier we acknowledged District 9's honorees, the, the great Cambrian Park Little League's Challenger Division team. I think they deserve one more round of applause. I mean, they were so wonderful. So wonderful. So District 10. In District 10, Council Member Matt Mayen is honoring the San Jose Neighborhood Community Emergency Response Team. So here's the deal about them, in case you're curious. The San Jose Neighborhood Community Emergency Response Team is a new nonprofit founded this year by five highly dedicated individuals working with the Office of Emergency uh, Services Management. So you guys, you must be the five. One, two, three, four. Well, one, two, no, we're missing five. one. Okay. Is Sam the fifth? Where's his green shirt? <laughs> I can't count. That's your job. Anyway, organize and train residents to be prepared in a disaster. That's what we need to be, prepared. Their motto is neighbors helping neighbors. Their goal, cert trained residents in every neighborhood who help families and neighbors in an emergency. And we've had our share. We honor their dedication to building a resilient San Jose and tireless efforts to launch this new citywide nonprofit. And no, that is not Matt Mayhem. I'm sure it's one of his very important staffers. What a, what a bunch of good people. Thank goodness for them. I know, it I love it. Makes San Jose a greater place, that's for sure. You just want to go, attaboy. I know. <laughs> so congratulations to all of our council community honorees. How about that? <laughs> and
Janet, is this my turn still? Oh, you got a whole page to read. I'm just going to listen. You want some of it? Okay. Okay, I'll just go ahead. <laughs> you start. Okay, now we have the distinct honor of introducing the exemplary individual who will receive the Mayor's Community Champion Award. The Mayor's Community Champion Awards are given to individuals who've shown the strength, courage, and resilience to turn ideas into action and to make a difference here in San Jose. These community champions have completed extraordinary acts of service for the city, and the mayor is honored to now present the 2022 Mayor's Community Champion Award to Raimondo Espinoza. Raimondo is the CEO of Gardner Health, and we thank him for his years of championing the needs of San Jose's most vulnerable residents. Okay, I'm going to jump in here just for a little bit. Sam and I were a team. Just Mr. Espinoza has been administratively involved in community health centers for over three decades, 30 years. And he's currently, as Sam said, the CEO of Gardner Family Health Network Incorporated, DBA Gardner Health Services. GHS maintains 10 sites in Santa Clara and San Mateo counties, and they provide a comprehensive array of services to include medical, dental, optometry, pharmacy, behavioral health services for both the low to moderate and chronically mentally ill population. Health education, nutritional services through the Women, Infants, and Children's Program, comprehensive services targeting patients with complex needs, and health care to the homeless services. I think that gets another big hand, too. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Of the 40,000 plus patients and clients, 96% are at 200% of poverty. So think about that, a family of four is making $53,000, of which 10,000 have no insurance coverage. So thank God we have Raimundo. Would you please come to the microphone? Good evening. Uh, first of all, I want to thank uh, Sam Licardo, Mayor, uh, and Jessica, of course, for uh, providing me with this great opportunity and this great uh, acknowledgement uh, for the work that we do. Um, but I want to say uh, that, that uh, in reality, uh, this is more than that. I think this is about uh, public-private partnerships and the ability for the city, for example, to make uh, things grow and invest in community efforts that make a difference. Uh, for Gardner, um, it, it meant um, being able to take advantage of some of the programs that, that the city provided to, to be able to purchase our facilities. Um, we were in 1997, our budget was 4.5 million. We are now 80 million strong. Uh, we, we have... Uh, We, we employ 620 individuals, all dedicated to providing services to the people that need it the most in those most vulnerable areas of San Jose. I want to sp have a special thanks to Efrain Coria, my CFO, COO, who's always had my back and for 27 years. It's easy to bring things together. Uh, 
but it's, it's a challenge to make it work. And Efrain has been there through thick and thin to make it work for me. I want to thank my board members that are here, uh, Carmen and Guillermo and Maribel, uh, who, who, brought, who, who, who brought technology to our organization and made, it, made us more modern. <laughs> um, but more, more, more than that, this is a, a labor of love, and I really want to honor the, the migrant workers, the cannery workers, the activists, the um, Catholic Church, and the Stanford students that organized in 1968 to, uh, to say we need ya basta, no more. We need, we need to create our own healthcare system. Out of, a, out of grit and determination, they created the Gardner Health Services and it provided me with an opportunity to work for an organization that I love and an organization that will hopefully continue to succeed and with, your, with the city's support, continue to flourish to be able to give individuals the ability to dream and achieve their goals uh, by keeping them healthy in mind and body. And that's, that's our effort. Health is just a means to an end and the end is making people, uh, allowing people to achieve their dreams. So thank you so much for, for this honor. So Lisa, it says here I'm supposed to thank you for co-hosting. That's what it says on the script here. Well, but what I want is a hug, all right? Oh. Thank you so much. Oh. It's, really, it's the first time we've worked together in years. It took Sam Licardo to get us together. And who else could do it? Nobody. See all the stuff you do? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have to thank some people, don't we? Yeah, you do. Yeah, several important people who made this event possible. So, to the incredible, and we've worked with them, we know it's true, behind the scenes team of city staff who put the event together. Also, uh, we, should main, we should name them, Rachel Davis. Yay, Rachel. Esmeralda Batista, and the mayor's communications team. Craig Jetson and his team. And our partners at Team San Jose, including Regina, Claudia, and Letty. Big special thank you tonight to tonight's photographers, Lam Nguyen and Jay Reason. And they did a great job sneaking around, taking pictures. Do you think they got some good ones of us? I hope, I hope so. so. Yeah. Well, yeah. I haven't seen a good one of me in a while. Me neither. <laughs> Oh, too many people to mention here, but we've done our best, and we say thanks, and we congratulate everyone for this wonderful, fun evening. And if I can say thank you to our two fabulous interpreters. I mean, pretty darn amazing. I just asked her, I said, are you right word for word? And she said, usually about a half a sentence, because i got to get the whole sentence in context, context before I do it. But that's pretty amazing. And thank you, Sam. Thank it's you. been great. <laughs> You know, I've done uh, State of the City for Ron Gonzalez. Uh, you and I did Chuck Reed, and now we did Sam Licardo, so I think we can call it a, a life, <laughs> a day. We can call it a day. You know, but, if you'd taken that job, it could have been Sam and Lisa again. Well, this is true. <laughs> and I think maybe we should show up early tomorrow at K-Bay, because I hear the morning person isn't even there. We could take over. It's country, 
but we could take over. I'm up for it. I'll just stay in town. You know how to shut the mics off and turn them on, so let's do it. Okay. <laughs> we got a date. Thank you all for being here, our honorees, our council members, our elected officials, and you, the community, for being such a great audience. Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Licardo, for having this man. They started it all. And of course, thank you, Mayor Sam Licardo. You, you know I absolutely adore you. And I can say it because I'm not on the radio anymore. I mean, you have done, what is it, 16 years? Is it 16 years just in San Jose, not counting everything else you've done for this, this wonderful community? So congratulations to getting some sort of a life back in another few months. You know what, we get to party now. Sam told me there's wine. So we get to invite you to join us for a reception in the theater's patio. We've got wine and beer and light refreshments and probably some water too, oh Sam. Thank you once again for attending tonight, the 2022 State of the City Address. And we hope you've had a great night and please drive home safely, but come spend some more time with us. Thank you. Good night. <laughs>